Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast for the final time in season six of our show. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. We've been driven inside tonight. Uh, We finally got the cold weather that we had been uh, waiting for for so long. Um, But on this particular day, it came with a bunch of nasty ass rain. So, yeah, it was pretty gross. So I I will say this is the second intro we're recording today because we had a catastrophic Zencaster failure uh, uh, a little bit into our first uh, intro. And you had a great line that I want to reuse here. Uh, Welcome to Sacred Realms, a podcast co-hosted by a couple of snarky assholes joined by another couple of snarky assholes this time around. And I forget the, I forget so. the, yeah, I forget the context. I really do. But you're right. Yeah. Zencaster totally, uh, totally, uh, bit the big one there for a second. It's like, you know, the, the little, the little graph of the, of the proton torpedo going down the reactor shaft yeah. in the center of the Death oh, Star. Yeah. And then it hits the middle and, <laughs> and it goes it's like, doo, 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 doo. yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and then it all blew up, but we're back again, just much like the Death Star. You couldn't keep, <laughs> you us, couldn't down. keep us down. <laughs> Hopefully we don't also need a star killer base. And, oh God. Ugh. And with that, I've taken this analogy absolutely as far as it will go, which means it's time for me to do something useful on this podcast and introduce the uh second half of the uh of the hosting staff tonight. Uh that means that I have the pleasure once again of introducing on the pod uh the uh the dynamic duo, the brothers. At, uh, at yeah, one of our uh, one of our sister shows, guys that we love talking to uh, at any given opportunity, and that would be, of course, the Hyrule Podcasters. We need to like stack the. We need to like go listen to listen to like if we're getting better at that or not. You know? Yeah, I wonder. I'm curious if we're getting any better. I feel I feel like we're getting better. It I feels good every feel time. like we're getting better. It mm-hmm. does. Yeah. It does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what up, boys? A, hey, good doing? to see you guys. Me ben too. and Pat, it's uh, it's been it's been too long. I know uh, the original plan was to bring you guys onto the show at some point during our stretch of episodes covering the adventure of Link and, uh, you know, best laid plans couldn't make it happen. Somebody had some nuptials that they had to go do. So that's why I was spared. I didn't realize why we didn't make it onto this season. <laughs> but then thanks for getting married for more than one reason. <laughs> didn't have to replay Adventure of Link to 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 get on the podcast this time. I have, oh, man, I have enough trauma from playing that game on the Hyrule Podcasters that you know I'm all right taking I'm all right taking a taking the bench. For your season, but I'm glad to be here today, and I promise I won't just be a curmudgeon about the game. I have some good things to say about it, I promise. Well, before we get into that, I feel like we do need to back up for one second and offer a heartfelt congratulations to Ben. Uh, seriously. Air horns. <laughs> yeah, we're thrilled for you. Uh, hoping thank that you, thank you. hoping that everything uh, went super well and that your day was free of stress or catastrophe. 
Absolutely. It was a wonderfully executed project that ended successfully. So we're very happy with it. Boom. We love to hear it. You got the married and that is the important (laughs) part. The married. He says it was a, what did he say? It was a well executed project. Project ended ended successfully. I feel like. (laughs) Very, I am very happy that, uh, that things went well for you. Were you able to partake in a honeymoon or are you doing that whole thing where you just sit on it for a while and come back to it later? No, we we left uh, three days later for Puerto Rico and we stayed at a um, uh, a bed and breakfast. It was a vegan vegetarian bed and breakfast about a block from the beach. And we just relaxed every single day for five days. It was wonderful. It was perfect. It's awesome. Are you vegan? Uh, Jenny is 100 percent vegan. I am very cl- I'm pretty I'm a vegetarian all the way, but I eat vegan regularly. Okay. Just by just by virtue of like eating, taking meals together with with your partner, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I I was a vegetarian and then I met Jen. So then I have just kind of gone that way. And when he's in Ohio, he gets all the pizza and all all the dairy products. Lots of cheese in Ohio. Yeah. There is a lot of cheese in Ohio in general. Uh, and so he takes he takes advantage of that. You know, it's good to eat foods that you grew up with. It makes you feel happy. And since Ben runs a lot, he can eat a lot. And I'll just watch him eat like a whole pizza. It's pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> Dang, anyway. that is pretty incredible. I mean, as, incredible. As, an, as an eater of like a lot of cheese, I, I love that for you. And <laughs> like, I'm just I'm very happy for you. So thank you. Thank you. Nice. Well, uh, anyway, yeah. So like I said, definitely didn't manage to circle up in one of our main episodes about Adventure of Link. But uh, I don't know if y'all have been keeping up with with the pod at all, really, um, since we talked last. But basically, this crazy thing happened where this game, this crazy 10 hour maximum game, if that right, uh, somehow consumed our entire lives for six weeks and uh and, and like we were unable to record an episode talking about it that clocked in at anything less than two and a half hours that yeah, was the I shortest one that we it. had two, two listened, hours you know i we listened had to those two hours i listened to all y'all's episodes and every week i was just like is it gonna be two hours is it gonna be two hours oh it's two hours again all right like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it was impressive. I didn't listen to every episode, but I, I, you know, I peek in, and I was like, "These, they're really going in." I mean, you gave it, you gave it what it deserves. The way you that did. you guys analyze games, um, you know, this has a lot to think about. It's not like. A crappy game that doesn't have a lot going on. It's a crappy game that has so much going on. <laughs> <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're, man, you're, you're, getting, All right. you're getting ahead of one of our, one of our main questions <laughs> right here off the bat. Way to, way to get that out of the way. Um, no, I mean, I totally agree. Like it, it was something about this game, um, just defied being able to, to discuss, um, in any kind of like meaningful way. Yeah, in like a short form episode. And so, yeah, they just became like these megaton gargantuan conversations. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, 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 you know, Matt and I both had a lot of fun uh, with that being the case, but uh, definitely am excited to be able to talk to y'all about it now, because I know that this is a game that y'all have played in the not too uh, distant past. And also this one kind of like I know that for y'all, uh, Zelda one is a big part of your history with Zelda, you know, like y- y- y'all definitely kind of jumped on 
in you know very close to the beginning in the eight bit days, and so this game you know, kind of would have been in there in a part of that whole era as well. And so I've been very curious to kind of know what y'all's history is with Adventure of Link. So why don't we go ahead and start there? Um, What is y'all's history with Adventure of Link? Ben, you want to, you want to take this one or you want me to, to color it with my disdain? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll jump in uh, and kind of be the, be the cheerleader, be the Joshua uh, for this week. I, uh, I, I will say I don't recall exactly when we would have played this when I was younger, but all I know is that we, and by we, I mean my mom and I for sure played almost every single game that was in that kind of action RPG type structure. Um, I know you all had quite the discussion with Max about you know, is this an RPG? Is it not an RPG? And we can like set that aside because, you know, the game is almost 40 years old and we have new societal structures that dictate and cultural structures that dictate what an RPG is, Mm -hmm. but it was an action RPG like that. Like at the time, that's what it was. And sure. So, I mean, we played star tropics, we played the adventure of link, you know, we played the final fantasies, we played the ultimas. So we cycled through all of those type of games with, you know, big overworlds, no overworlds, just dungeons. You know, it was just something that was just so kind of a part of it. Um, that, um, my rec- I know that when my mom and my aunt Becky originally got the game, they were like, what is this? This is not what they were expecting at all. Um, but considering that they had already bought it and they definitely didn't have a lot of money at that time in their lives, they weren't not going to play it. And so they, you know, frustratedly moved their way through it. Um, and so that's kind of my, you know, piecing together stories that I have been told and assumptions that I am making. Mm-hmm. And then I had most um, recently played it. I played it on a ROM probably in college is the first time I really remember kind of circling back around to it before this most recent iteration where we obviously played through it for the podcast. <laughs> a couple times because we kind of messed up and oh, we haven't told you- we haven't told everybody. No, we, we, we'll, we'll wait to tell everybody what happened there. All right. Um, I don't yeah, think that, this that's, is the moment. But no, that yeah, that sounds yeah. good because we definitely like at, once we once we get housekeeping out of the way and everything. I, I want to come back into it with you know y'all's podcast and where this kind of fit into that and yeah. your conclusions and whatnot. But but anyway, keep going. So Ben was uh you know Ben was the RPG player when we were kids. I was a platformer and I continued to grow my platforming skills, Mega Man's my jams, and so I picked this game up when it showed up on the Wii U. And I played it a bit and I probably put like two, three hours in and I just couldn't stop uh, dying in just simple (laughs) hand-to-hand combat. And so I had to put the game down and I was like saving state every time that I approached uh, an enemy with legs and arms, you know what I mean? Uh, And and I got to say, as I know that you guys found out or knew from the jump the rewind feature on switch just makes this game so much more playable and i bet that i would have played more of it if i would have been able to rewind on the wii u but regardless we ended up playing it on our podcast and that's the first time i actually played through it on the switch right not on the wii u we played through it on an emulator on the podcast okay we did not play it on the switch we did not have rewinds we did not We had some fun. We had uh, it was a fun time. So hold on. You didn't have rewind. Did you have save states at least? Yeah, but we're not 
uh, we weren't really using them very much. Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the beginning we kind of didn't use safe states liberally because we were st- we still kind of beholden to these old rules of you know yeah, purist yeah, nonsense. Even though we say we're not purists at the beginning of the yeah. podcast, we're like, oh, don't save the state. Yeah, yeah. So what we would do is we would use a save state if it made sense in terms of just kind of we didn't want to have to replay a whole chunk of something. So like we might save state at the beginning of like a palace. And then if we died in the palace, instead of having to start back at the North palace and walk all the way back, um, we could just load that up simply just from like a, we're trying to create content and you just kind of got like, I don't yeah. want to waste the three minutes to walk all the way back. Yeah. But a lot of times if it made sense that we that we died and then went back to North Palace and had to walk all the way back, we would just we would do that in the in the show and just like talk through it because we're like, oh, that's like part of it. Um, and so it really it just depended on what made sense in terms of you know putting out like a piece of you know piece of media that made sense that also wasn't just like us just wasting time at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'd say kind of closer to the end of the game, we started taking a bit more snapshots. But the idea was like. If dying is supposed to be a punishment, it has a particular repercussion like in the game. And so we would always make sure that that repercussion like got applied. So if we had to backtrack to have, you know, zero XP or something like that, we'd make sure we were always doing that. Yikes. Wow. I mean, I I say emphatically, yikes. You should have seen the look of horror (laughs) Lyndon and I gave each other when you said you didn't use rewinder save states. Like, what? I mean, y'all played a a natural Zelda 2 right there. Oh my god. Yeah, we really did. And I gotta say, by the end of it, we were pretty good. Uh, We were very good. We were very good at this Yeah, our knuckles weren't like the weren't the threat that they were, you know, we understood, we knew how to time the respawns. Like we were real good there at the end. It was, it was tough. It was also all we had going, you know, it was pre-vax quarantine and it was our second season or it was halfway. It was the second half of our first season and we put a lot of time into it. Ben especially was just his hand to hand combat skills in the game were incredible. Well, that, uh, I mean, honestly, that sounds like a fascinating tale. I can't wait to get more into it. Uh, let's go ahead and call this this first little chunk the teaser for the remainder of the episode. Uh, if you want to hang around, then this is what you're going to get more of. Before we get into that, let's get our housekeeping out of the way real fast so that we can just let this conversation spin out in whichever way it's going to do. As it often spins into unpredictable directions. Spins, man. Much like my car into a concrete barrier sometimes. Uh. it. It's I, I cut I cut that out Sometimes. of the podcast. Yeah, I, I cut that out of the episode that <laughs> Max time, was on. Max, Ma- Matt wrecked his car a few weeks ago, and oh, he's, oh no. but you're okay, right? I I am fine. Yes, okay, it was okay. I, I hydroplaned, and uh, by the grace of God, I am not dead. But yes, uh, I am okay. Yeah. So you derailed. So you made this like serious and a big deal, but I was about to segue like we were talking about spinning and I was about to break out into the, you know, you spin me right round, baby. And it was going to take nice. me into housekeeping. Oh, that would have been better. Uh, Let's yeah. just do that. Well, no, I can't do it. No, now. no, we got, we got to rewind. We got to do That's what editing's for. That's what editing's you for. You spin me right round, baby, right round, round, like a record, record baby, right round, round, round. There we go.
Okay, okay, we, now we did it. We recovered. Congratulations. I'll take it. That was a that was a that was a gift that I didn't know that I needed. I don't, I don't feel like I deserved that, but you know what? Uh, it happened, and I I think we're all better for it. If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly reexamination of the Legend of Zelda, one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. Every week we play a new section of a Zelda game, and then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, be sure to leave us a review. You. Five star reviews are greatly appreciated and they have a chance to get a shout out here on the show. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash Sacred Realms pod to get access to our Discord channel, listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and so much more. Additionally, one of the benefits that Master Sword patrons and above get on our Patreon is that we read their names every week here on the show. Those legendary individuals are Kelso, Chris, Tiffany the Star, Daxel, Patrice, Stephanie, Darknuck, Brian, George, Mike, Dylan, Allie, Lennon, Kolku, Rowan, Josh, Nick, Keep It Going, Dante, Get, Brittany, Davey, Haru the Mighty, Derek, Albert, Mark, Andy, Cameron, Tyler, Ben, Daniel, Nick D underscore TV, Christian, Jonathan, Hyrule Interviews, aka Maximum Nichols, Garrett, and Drew. These are the most legendary of individuals, and we could not make this podcast without them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your generous support. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the remainder of the episode. As we mentioned at the top, this is not a regular episode. This is a bonus episode. Uh, The Sacred Realms Rundown will be returning again next week with our first installment of The Wind Waker. But for now, we're going to tie up our thoughts, both ours and Hyrule Podcasters, about Zelda 2 and 8-bit Zelda games in general. So I'm going to kick it back over to Ben and Pat. Um, I'm assuming that you played this game second, right? Because your whole thing was that you were going in chronological release order. Yep, you got that right. That is correct. Yep. Cool. Uh, so I, I want to circle back to the to the way that you were kind of playing this game because I can't I, I can't conceive of this experience um, without save states and without a lot of the uh, the safety nets that playing on the Switch kind of afforded us and. Like to Matt and I, that even didn't feel like too much uh, respite at times, right? You know, um, we were talking to Max when he was on about uh, the the emulated version that he played and a, a few of the extra, you know, um, ease of use sort of things he granted himself in that Ooh, version. La la. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it's it's really difficult for me to imagine having a good time, you know, with, you know, playing, playing the game in that way. And especially knowing that your whole format relies on you kind of like, it's not like you play it and then you come back in a few days and talk about it. Y'all's whole thing is that you're talking about it while you're playing it. And that is what your content is made up mm-hmm. of. So, I mean, what, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of podcast did you, did you get out of this whole experience? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't gone back and listened but it you know it was Ben did most of the playing because I mean genuinely because we just couldn't figure out a way for it to be to pass the save state back and forth super easily. Um, mm. And I had a much older computer at the time, and so his ability to run certain programs was pretty handicapped, and so we had to be really careful about how we how we managed the actual like 
ROM and emulator and the save states and all those kind mm-hmm. of things. And so not only did we only get to play, did I only get to play when we played in person, which means Ben took on a huge amount of the burden. But again, it was pre-vax quarantine. So when we did play the game together, it was like <laughs> outside in the winter or like Ooh, in, in a garage. In yeah. a garage. Like in Ohio. Yeah. 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 Or like, like it was like the amount of... The amount of problem solving that went into this second half of this first season of the Hyrule Podcasters kept my mind occupied enough during that time of COVID that I came out of it a sane person. It's like the the challenges of the adventure of Link were good for me at the time because I didn't have a lot going on other than what the heck is going on on the earth, you know? And I'll, so I'll always have a, a place in my heart for this game just because it provided me a distraction from life at the time. So you also split your first season up between the first two games the, the same way that we did. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I had looked around and what I, I was trying to, so I got the idea for the podcast from um, listening to this one called No One Can Know About This, which they do the exact same thing we do except for uh, Final Fantasy. And mm. so I had kind of messaged them uh, a little bit because I, you know, had this idea about doing it for Zelda and was interested in it. Um, and so got some good feedback from them on just structure. And um, I was concerned that the first game, um, was going to be too short to establish a podcast based on it. Um, and so, cause everything that I got told is you really want like 10 episodes, like 10 episodes is the, was always the goal. Like get 10 episodes out. That is a solid foundation of a podcast that even if you have to take a break, that's a really good number to be at most. It's, I mean, it's a really high percentage, but it's like 80 or 85% of podcasts that are started. Don't reach episode 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really wanted a, um, like a structure that was going to like force us to get past 10. And um, I just knew that the original Legend of Zelda, no matter how slowly you play it, or you'd have to do some pretty crazy things and to really spool it out if you wanted to get more than 10 episodes. And so then it just made a lot of sense to play uh, one and two back to back since, you know, they came out within a year of each other in Japan. Um, They were both of the NES. um, and And I thought it made a nice, like really tight season to kind of keep people engaged. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I want to circle back to something you said real quick, which was your uh, your observation that uh, your your statistic that eighty five percent of podcasts don't make it. Uh, you know, pa- past what'd you say, past ten episodes? Mm-hmm. It's something like that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so you know, both of us uh, being on shows that have well exceeded that mark, I feel mm-hmm. like we we should uh, we should give each other a round of applause. Real oh, yeah, quick. let's do it. Come on. Yay! Yay! There you go. You know, go us. So much in not quitting. You know, you haven't failed your podcast until you stop making it. And even then, maybe you didn't fail. A lot of my musician friends, oh no, I failed. My career sucks. But you're still putting out music. Nobody does that. Like so yeah. few people make it past that mark. So we can celebrate that. And much like podcasts, this game probably only gets like 3% played by most people. So even if you're making it only halfway through, or if you're using rewinds or save states the whole time, if you play, I'll give you three hours of this game, you have succeeded at the adventure of Link, I think. Yeah, yeah and I think, absolutely. 
And I think, Pat, that's a really good reflection from yours. So, you know, I've I've watched my brother for, I mean, he's 36. So let's be generous and say you started your musical career at 15. Um, I've yeah. watched him for 20 years create music and just create music and create music and be passionate and just love what he is doing and just pour his heart and soul into it and have a family that has supported him, have partners that have supported him and friends and colleagues and all those kind of things. And just realizing like it takes so much work to ever get anywhere. And, you know, what we really got to the point of is like, oh, you know, you know, our goal was to have fun with each other doing it. And we are still doing that. Mm -hmm. But just to know, like for, for me personally, just to know that like I create something that will essentially live in perpetuity that people could find 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. And Mm -hmm. that it is something that I put a lot of myself into and put out there. That's something that makes it really easy to be like, oh yeah, like we're going to suffer through the, you know, Link's adventure, you know, if that's what it takes, because there was a really good thing to do. And it was, and it was a challenge creatively, you know, for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun too. To that point though, like, you know, talking about, um, you know, getting people in the door and establishing a foundation and kind of building a show off of these two early games. Did you have a concern on your end of things that even though chronologically it makes sense to start with these games and especially with the specific nostalgia that you have for them, like that's, that's like a good energy to bring into a discussion. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely see the value in that, but were you worried that these two games were maybe not the ones that would capture people the same way as like Ocarina of Time might. Definitely. You know, we have, we've talked about this a lot before we started the podcast. It was the probably biggest question that we had on how we were going to do this. Are we going to play these, this first game first? And, you know, I feel like our pros and cons lists were pretty even between this and other Zelda games. And, the fact of the matter is we were doing this to have fun and we wanted to start from the beginning. And also it's just a really good organizational tool. I mean, you'll see in, you know, in our later seasons that we decided to play Ocarina before Link's Awakening, much yeah. to my chagrin, chagrin, dismay, because, <laughs> because either one of the, either one of those would have either worked. One. Actually, I, yeah. I, I feel bad because Chagrin Falls and Chagrin Valley is a, is a nice place in Northeast Ohio. Anyway, so <laughs> Ben made the decision to play Ocarina before Link's Awakening so we could play it with the rest of the world when it came out on Switch. And it didn't, honestly, it didn't do a whole lot for us um, in the long run. But it, it was fun. Like those first like few episodes, we got a lot of people that were diving into the game again. But I think that the that test right there proved in the long run that we made the right decision from the jump. Am I getting this right, Ben? Do, are you remembering this similarly? Yeah, I think so. And I and you know, one of the things that I knew about just going into podcasting is that, you know, it it takes such a long time to build an audience. Um, mm. Like if you, if you're starting yeah. like how, 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 how our two podcasts have, where these are, we have, I mean, unless, I mean, I think, you know, Lyndon, you might have a bit of an influence coming up, coming out of like the designer creative space, but very minimal. I mean, you seem to have known a few people, but like, that was it. Like, and that's not an audience. That's just like knowing a few people. Yeah. And so like, we're all starting from essentially scratch where we don't know anybody and we don't have an audience right. and doing that for a podcast is one of the hardest things that you can do is to start like from scratch. And so I knew that, you know, our first two, three years of doing this, 
um, our growth, like I had pretty good ideas of like what our growth would be. And we're, we're at that level that I had expected us to be at where, you know, we have like a solid base, like in probably the low hundreds of people that are listening and that's kind of it. And to, to move into that next like niche, that next like magnitude level where you're at like, you know, like the, like five, six thousands takes an entirely different style of podcasts mm-hmm. or it just takes a lot more time. And so my feeling is, is like, oh, well, if we get to year three and that, which is, you know, which is what I think both of our seasons are coming up on is like three years of doing this or our third year of doing this. And we're running smack dab into Breath of the Wild 2. Like that's the moment to be like established as a podcast and to say like, hey, like we have all this great content that you can listen to, you know, for us on the Hyrule Podcasters, audio only Let's Plays and the enjoyment of that on the Sacred Realms, you're able to, you know, dive in and explore these games. But then we're all just going to have, I really feel like this like awakening of all of these people wanting to come back and explore the series as we get closer mm. and closer than as we actually get into playing um Tears slash tears, you know, of the kingdom. <laughs> would you, would you, tears, tears? Would you say that it's hey. a Link's Awakening? <laughs> hey. Hey. And maybe, maybe they'll see this new game and then use their Switch to link them to the past to play these old games. Whoa. Hey. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I mean, those are all the, and, and I mean, you know, this is one of the reasons I've, you know, really enjoyed being on the podcast, you know, you know, on each other's podcast quite a few times is it also feels like you all are thinking about this in like, I I don't think we're out here trying to make like a ton of money doing this, but we are interested in the business and creative Mm -hmm. merging that happens in a product like this, which might come a lot, you know, from, you know, having a brother, you know, on my side who, you know, did music for so long and then Lyndon on your side, you know, and all the artwork that you're doing in that like creative business space is a really interesting place to play around in and to be a part of. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that we, we made some, we made some questionable decisions, like starting with the first game ever that's a million years old and people that listen to podcasts aren't really in the demographic of the people that played that game necessarily. But in the same way, they made a lot of creative decisions for this game, The Adventure of Link, that didn't pan out in some ways and did pan out in other ways. You know, we're all you have to take risks in a creative space in order to in order to succeed in the long run. And you have to be able to look ahead, you know? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because this season has actually been the season where we've had the highest growth in our own podcast. We went what? from about yeah, absolutely. Yep. By far. Yep. We were what? averaging about 500 downloads a week and we shot up to or we're averaging a thousand downloads a week Ooh, plus five hundred plus like five hundred ish on the YouTube from Zelda oh, Universe. Sick. So like yeah. it Z- it like pop is legit. Z- yeah. It is it's wild that we we started getting such traction with this particular season it, it like blew us mm-hmm. both away when we started seeing that number just going up and up and up and People are um, <laughs> dude i know right They're like i just want to hear i just want to listen to somebody shit on all these games oh my god and i'm just like look man you're, you're gonna get some of that there's no doubt Absolutely. but um like i think it's just so interesting that this sphere the the zelda community in general has such diehard devotion for the series that they're willing to listen to two hours worth of podcast about what is probably the least liked or one of the least liked games in the whole series. Like it's wild. 
I love it. And and like Linda and I have talked so much about Zelda. There's not a bad Zelda game. And I think we, we came away from this season still agreeing with that. And yeah, as much as there's not a bad. Episode. Yeah, as much as there's not a bad Zelda game. I also think that Zelda has one of the best communities out mm, there. It is absolutely. just unilaterally supportive, non-toxic. I mean, our own discord community has really grown into a really awesome place. Oh, and that's fantastic. just a microcosm of the larger Zelda. Well, uh, f- yeah, like community. And it's so awesome to just be a part of that. Now. And the last thing I'll say about this before I kind of move us on to talking more specifically about Zelda two is that, um, I have found that to be the case with my, uh, art, work as well is that uh Mm. the zelda community just i i have routinely gotten so much support uh from the zelda community anytime i anytime i come up with something zelda related um you know they just go crazy for it and it's great because i'd never get tired of making it so yeah um zelda definitely i i think uh by many metrics you know many people i think would call the legend of zelda series probably I certainly think it's the greatest series in the history of gaming, and I think most people would admit that it's certainly in the conversation, you know? It's definitely in the – I think most people could probably put it in that, like, top three, top five yeah. for an overall series, for sure, yeah. for sure, yeah. And uh, I think you can, you know, you can see the proof of that in, uh, you know, in many metrics and in, in many ways. Um, but uh, definitely the the passion of its fan base and the size of its passionate fan base is, is yeah. one of those as well. And so, uh, for sure. yeah, and, and we've all been beneficiaries of that. I know um, if so, I can sneak one thing in, um, if you ever do a reprint of your purple Majora's Mask one, can you just let me know? <laughs> hey, uh, no, I don't know if you ever do it again, but if you do it again, let me know. I probably won't, but I have one I can send to you. Whoa. Hey, look at that. How about oh that? My God. Oh my God. Uh, we'll, we'll take this offline. Take it offline. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds do you good. want it? Do you want it signed? Because we, we do that for very special people. Whoa. I absolutely. I'll no sign that. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, that. Incredible. These yeah. are the things that make me feel good. Um, <laughs> so let's get, uh, let's take it back to Zelda two for a minute. And so Matt actually kind of teed me up for the first main thing that I really want to get into here, um, which is the premise on which we founded the show is that we don't believe a bad Nintendo, uh, a bad Nintendo made and published Zelda game mm-hmm. exists. And we can extend that to Capcom too. Capcom was the developer, not the publisher of. The, oh, well, you said Nintendo made. So well, okay, Nintendo yeah, okay. published. You're okay. right. Yeah, okay. Just for clarity, I there's there's no world where I was not including the Oracle games and Minish Cap in that. Oh, got it. Okay, in, in that yeah, umbrella, those, those yeah. are Capcom games. Got yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were. Um, anywho, uh, so the premise was that no no bad Nintendo officially sanctioned Zelda game exists, mm-hmm. uh, and at the end of this season. You know, once the dust had settled and we kind of really had time to sit with our thoughts, we found that we still agreed with that premise. We do not think that Zelda 2 broke our our main rule. And so I would like to ask you guys, do you feel like Zelda 2 is a bad game or a bad Zelda game? Uh, I mean, I, I know that Ben doesn't think it's a bad game at all. He thinks that it's better than other Zelda games. Sorry to speak for you, brother, but um, my answer is just a little more complicated. I definitely think that it's the worst Zelda game by far that I've played. Now, I haven't played a couple of them, but I've played 
a bit of all of the Zelda games. I think that, uh, you know, it's got a good story. It's got cool music. It was innovative. So much of the, you know, like there's so much good that came out of it um, that I, I'll, I'll agree with, who was it, Max, that said it's the Steamboat Willie of Zelda games mm-hmm. where you look back at it and you're like, obvious flaws. And even at the time, you know, like my brother said, our mom was like, screw this. This is not a Zelda game. And that's super frustrating. But I mean, really, now that I've spent some time away from it, I think that the only huge complaint, sure, it's obnoxious that the game looks and plays a lot differently than the first game, but that there was no precedent. You know, there was just one game who knew if every sequel was going to be different. The big thing is just the fighting mechanics suck. And does that make a whole game bad because it's hard to stab enemies in the face? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and that's tough because, you know, I think from from what we know about the game, you know, they were really trying to create a game that put uh, combat and sword mechanics at the front. And so if you're finding yourself frustrated by those very mechanics that they were trying to um, bring to the bring to the front after the you know after the first game, which really didn't have a lot of it wasn't based around you know sword combat for the most part. I think that that would make it very hard to defend it as a really as a as a very good game, um, and I think that is that is like the exact point where I where I can where I come in and I'm like ah yes like. I found, you know, my ability to master the complexity of combat in um, Link's Adventure um, that w- once you mastered it, it was like, oh, yes, like it, it, the, the game felt entirely different. Um, you know, yeah. I really felt, I really felt like it's a, it reminded me, <laughs> and I know people hate when people do this, but it just reminded me so much of playing Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Are those are you guys in? Do you guys play those kind of games? I'm not really sure. Not really. I I have okay. dabbled a little bit in Dark Souls. Not a lot. Um, I, I find this. I find the. I find the punishment for the sake of punishment mechanic to not be my favorite thing. Ah, in the world. okay. So there's so, a really, yeah. Oh, there's a really. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was so I was just gonna say that I also have not played many. I, I have not played any of the Souls games. Um. Uh, however, I do actually kind of skew a little bit more towards that kind of difficulty challenge sort of game, um, I think, than, than Matt really does. And that set me up for, I think, a little bit m- a more of a pleasant experience with this game than Matt really had. Like, I mean, you know, uh, some of my favorite games that have released um, in the last few years have been indies like uh, Hyperlight Drifter and celeste and like you know i mean granted celeste is a platformer um but like they're they're both they're both games that have like a just a hyperactive difficulty curve really so no i'm sorry i want to i just want to clarify something on my but if you're want to let you No, you're good man yeah so i want to clarify like i don't dislike hard games i like hard games i play every game that i have ever owned i have played at one point or another on the hardest difficulty. I've even tried my best to beat Halo 2 on Legendary. Did not <laughs> succeed, but I tried. Um, my problem with, um, and this is less a problem with Souls, I just, I, I approached Dark Souls specifically at a time in my life where I was just like not, 
I didn't have the mental capacity for it. I was a pre-med student doing 18 hours of school every week or every semester and um, also trying to work a job. So like I just didn't have time for it. Mm, so sure, sure. yeah, I, I didn't, I approached the souls games at kind of a bad time. So that kind of put me off to them. But like when it comes to hard games, I like hard games. I, I like hard games that challenge you, reward you for overcoming that challenge. And like they punish you for not, overcoming it but not to an extent that it just turns you off and we actually had a pretty good discussion about this on our discord today which was like metroid dread is actually a very hard game combat wise and is kind of a good it's kind of a good analog a modern day analog to adventure of link but i think i think where metroid dread succeeds that adventure of link fails is it is so much more rewarding to get good at combat in the game. You get to the yeah. point where you get the perfect parries down or you get the dodge down or you understand the the mechanics and maneuvering of a certain boss to the point that you can then dodge their attacks more effectively. And you get that stun lock on the boss and initiated damage phase. And like it's, at some point, it does come down to modern day gaming is just way better at giving you that dopamine rush with those glowy circles and the Mm -hmm. flashy mechanics and like that is (laughs) definitely an aspect of it but if it intrinsically makes you feel more rewarded for being good at something you can't say that it's not effective and that's kind of where i land with it is adventure of link while i did get noticeably better at the combat and it was one of the things i was definitely most proud of as the game went on was i got better at the combat it never felt as rewarding to me as beating that level on le- on Legendary in Halo 3 mm-hmm. or beating that boss in Metroid Dread or beating that really hard encounter on Mass Effect in Insanity. Like, mm-hmm. finally beat those four Banshees in the one room with the same time the, the brute was chasing me down and, like, I <laughs> leveled myself up enough to do it. Or in Witcher 3 when I'm on Death March difficulty and I finally beat that Griffin. Like, all of those yeah. things have a much more visceral feeling of reward than I ever got out of out of adventure of link. Well, and I, and I know that's one of the things, you know, having listened to you, you know, over the years that I know that you, it it seems like you seem to also have uh, a difficulty connecting with the, just the, just the older, like just the oldness of some of the games and Mm -hmm. kind of the visuals that you're presented with really make it difficult for you to, kind of get into that story in a way that you would want to be and kind of feel as connected as well, which I think also creates a barrier, right? The the game puts up lots of barriers and, you know, any one of those is enough to knock like most people off. And Mm -hmm. I think that 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 causes that that level of friction, you know, can be can be frustrating and difficult. And I think that the way that I actually wanted to go with kind of the Dark Souls reference isn't about like the the game's hard because I mean, I don't know. A- every game can kind of be hard, but it was more like I, I remember I watched this really great video from uh, this uh, creator called the Game Maker's Toolkit, and he talked about. And this is after I had bounced off Dark Souls quite a few times, and I watched that video, and he talks about like how dying is used as a structural mechanic in the game to teach you about the game. And I took that exact same idea and put it on top of my Legend of Zelda or um, Adventure of Link playthrough this last time we were going through it and just realizing like, oh, right, like the the reason that they have the live counter is such like a deliberate choice because they could kick you back to North Palace like every time you die, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? But there was a reason they're like, oh, no, because 
dying is part of this. There are there are tr- random traps and floors that you're just going to fall down. There are bridges that collapse. You have no idea they're going to collapse. There's pee bags that look like you can grab that you really can't. And like they knew that. And they're like, okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to get to this point. You are probably going to die. And instead of having it be like a full reset of the game, right? And we're going to send you, you know, back to the starting area. Instead, we have this life mechanic. So that way it actually gives you multiple attempts to uh, push through and progress and get to a point where you can be more comfortable. And so I really found myself kind of, you know, really thinking through the life system and how that was constructed in a way that was going to allow us to um, learn the game at a pace that made sense. And I really saw it as a way to show us like, hey, we're not kicking you back every time. We actually are giving that space to explore and to potentially die and to not be concerned that you're going to die because you are and we're giving you lives to help balance that out. And that makes a lot of sense. I feel like so I'm a big Mega Man player and that's how it works in Mega Man. But the thing that you have in Mega Man is that the levels are short and they're confined you know you pick them it's not like you have to travel and remember a larger map and traverse dangerous terrain to get back to the level that you just died at and i think that that's why it was so difficult for me in this game because i'm not i don't like traveling around an overworld and i it's hard for me to remember every left and right turn that i take you know and so it was just one more like frustrating thing for me to have to deal with. I mean, playing it with Ben was great because he just keeps track of it or we have a guide up or whatever. And so mm-hmm. again, like I, I highly recommend people play this with a guide and on switch so they can rewind. Yeah. I, I think it, it's so interesting to hear kind of your defense of the, of the live system, Ben, because mm-hmm. to me, uh, I never, I never got past a point with that particular mechanic in this game where I was viewing it as an annoyance that I just wish wasn't there, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and never really got to a point where I felt like that was something that should have been in this game. I felt like it was an experiment that like, you know, we we had, we had guests who came on who were able to give us the historical context for why that was a thing that was tried. Um, And so I, I get that at least, but I never got to a point of feeling like, Oh, this is something that should have been in this game. And I'm glad that it, that it didn't stick around, you know? Um, but, but you definitely kind of argue for it somewhat, you know, eloquently. And I, I think that that's like, you're, you're making, you're making a good point and I agree with it. The thing that, the thing that I keep coming back to is that I wonder if and this is not to invalidate my own like ranking and feelings about this game as presented on our show, I've been wondering if my thoughts and opinions on it can be taken 100% seriously, like 90% seriously, sure. But like mm, but like that extra sure. ten, that extra 10% is definitely a space where uh you know, I'm not able to speak to the game in its purest possible incarnation you know, which is for the most part, the way that y'all played it. And that's not, that's not me saying that I think we played it the wrong way because, um, you know, as we talked about through multiple times, uh, but you know, in both, uh, the legend of Zelda and adventure of link, we feel like it's, it's completely fair to the gameplay experience to be using save states and to be pulling up maps and guides on the internet and whatever, like that's because at the end of the day, it's all about just enjoying enjoying yourself and having fun. Yeah, Lyndon, yeah. you should never take yourself one hundred percent seriously because nobody else does. So, oh, that's good. I, I can't deal with I can't deal with that pressure. Like you know, I would hate, you know, 
<laughs> on that same, you know, just to kind of read it, I think there are some people who like, let's say you're playing a game and you have a health bar that goes up to 100, right? There are some people that are comfortable playing at, I mean, everyone's comfortable playing at 100% health. Then you have a precipitous drop that is probably like, you know, a very steep drop off as you go like, are you comfortable at 90? Are you comfortable at 80? Are you comfortable at 70? Like, where do you start getting uncomfortable with the amount of health you have at any given moment while you're playing a game? And I almost feel like that it's it's a reminder that, you know, health, just like the ammo that you might have or, you know, the arrows you have in your quiver or the mana that you have, like it is a resource that can be utilized to traverse and play the game. And so sometimes, you know, like the best move is to just like equip, like cast the jump spell, jump over the guy throwing axes, take two to the back and like get out of the room. And that's a great use of the resources that you have. But I think a lot of people are really uncomfortable with their life, not kind of like being full and being kind of, you know, topped up constantly. And I think that that is a lot of what we get out of more recent games where you have things where like, oh, yes, you're, um, you know, your uh, your shield, uh, you know, automatically, you know, replenishes, you know, when you're when you're playing things or your life, if you like stand still, you know, refills. And so sure. there are definitely some things in modern gaming that have quality of life have made a lot of those things a lot easier mm-hmm. um, and a lot and just they make it a lot more accessible for a lot of people to play which is like a great thing yeah. you know and this game wouldn't be made now because no one would play it because it has all those things that it's missing <laughs> right and and that's okay and you know and th- that's okay that people wouldn't play this game and that it's missing things um, but that doesn't detract necessarily from how it was created and you know what was what was put into it but I, I also tend to encourage people if they are playing it for the first time mm-hmm. so I actually wouldn't play i'd play it on the switch i wouldn't use rewinder save states but i would play the special and oh yeah I definitely. The special is such a good option because would, you have yeah. like full hp right yeah so you start at eight on everything you start all the way leveled up which means you don't have to worry about you know the combat encounters and whatnot getting started it gets you over that initial death mountain hump and then yeah. by the time you're in castle three, like by the time you're in palace three or four, if you're already at eight, like it's okay. Like you're still going to get beat up enough, but it gives you that momentum at the start of the game to actually like get going. Yeah. That's a really, really good helpful. suggestion, Ben. That, yeah. You know, SP I'm going to have to go with you on that. And I have been curious. I mean, obviously Matt and I are not going to be jumping into those versions anytime soon because we've got, <laughs> we got more games that we got to go on and play. But I do think that next time, like if I get the itch, to come back around to uh, to this style and era of Zelda game, then I think that I'm going to give those a shot. Um, just to, you know, just to see what they're like uh, and, and also for the reasons you're talking about, you know, where I can just kind of hop into it and have a good time right off the bat. And, um, and, and yeah, you know, I think that that's, I'm glad that those exist and I'm glad that they're easy, yeah. as easy to play on the switch as the original versions, but Lincoln, um, it's been great to hear you start with like episode one and how you're like, I will never play this game ever again. My entire <laughs> life. By the end of this season, you have definitely been like, I'm definitely going to play this again. Like I know I'm going to, and it's like, yeah, cause it's a good game. Like at the end of the day, it's like, Oh yes, it is a good game and a challenging game. Yeah, you know, I've played a lot of bad games in my time. This isn't a bad game. I I, I agree with, <laughs> with you guys. I have. I'm like sitting here thinking of like, I just actually, when ben, ben, when you said that, I was like, ooh, maybe I can play that. Yeah. You know, while I'm just sitting around doing nothing and trying to fall asleep or something. And I was like, did I seriously just consider playing this game before bed? Like, I played Dr. Mario before bed. You know, like, <laughs> I play simple, fun games. But I'm like, ooh, if I'm all like leveled up, 
I'd go stab some some people in the face. And honestly, that talk about dopamine rush. When you get into a pattern of the jump stab, you know, not even the downward thrust, but you're just like forward jumping and stabbing. Ooh. Oh, it feels so good. Ooh. Oh, yeah. When it those does. iron knuckles just start collapsing at your feet and yeah. you never take any damage. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it one, really shot, one shotting iron knuckles is definitely a good time. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. It's and it's so funny, though. It's so funny because we're talking so much about what, you know, whether or not Zelda 2 is a good game or a bad game. And that really it, it has me thinking about, like, what what even is a bad game? Like, what do we quantify mm-hmm as being a bad game. I'm like, I'm trying to think of an example yeah, off the top of, of my like, head. There's a lot Halo of like, five guardians is a bad game. <laughs> like licensed yeah, I mean, games I think that are the, just like for a t- for a cartoon that they didn't actually make a game. They just made something to sell, you know, that's a bad mm-hmm. game. Things that are just for a, consumers to take off the shelves and take home and then they don't care what happens from there those are bad games for me i i find it's like music i don't believe that there's bad music but i do believe that there's music that is purely derived from the capitalists urge to feed consumers and get money in response and not care about the product i think that's a bad game I think that's yeah. a pretty good qualification. Yeah. 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 I, I'd be hard pressed to call a game bad that real people put real time, real yeah. energy, real effort into creating. It's kind of like it's like how I feel about movies. Like at the end of the day, hundreds, if not thousands of people tried really hard usually to put together a movie. So even when it might not be like the most amazing thing you've ever seen, like it's still just like the artistic and creative effort that goes into a lot of things. Yeah. That's where I am much more reluctant I to feel that. criticize. Especially now, having been someone who is now trying to, you know, create, <laughs> yeah, you dude, know, it's, it's like, wow, easy. I'm really glad that I have been very liberal with my praise for years because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're on the other side of it, you're just like, oh my God, like, are we really going to play Ocean Palace <laughs> for the third time? Three times. Three times, guys. That's how, that's how many, you, that's how many times you got bounced back to North Castle and then had no. to head all the way no. back over okay. there. No. Do you want to, yeah. should we just tell the people? Yeah, we should tell it. Why not? On tell the people. Podcast. Tell the people. Yeah, on a different never podcast. Come up on, our podcast. Uh, on a totally different. We'll probably put this in our podcast in an in-between season. But I love it. So we started the podcast. We played through the first two games. And then I opened up the the recorded files. So we were just, with each other and just played straight. We just played all the game. Whoa. And, in one sitting? No, we were together for a few days. Okay. But like, we just like played them all to like have all of the audio like done. And then we were going to come back and do the intro bit and then go into like the gameplay. Right. Which is, you know, we do that occasionally for a few episodes, but we just like got it all done and it was grueling. um, And we didn't end up getting to do anything else. And I opened up the files and it turned out that we hadn't been recording the game audio. Which was something I required. So, all right. So check this out. The first season, the the first half of the first season, there are a couple episodes where I ripped the game audio for the first Zelda from YouTube and just plopped it on top of what we were doing. So you'll like hear, I don't know, (laughs) the ocean, you know, when we're in the desert. And that's because that game audio does not match. I would like 
paced in, okay, now we're in a dungeon. Okay, now we're in a boss fight. It was grueling. Like I spent seven to 12 hours editing each of those episodes that I had to doctor in the audio. So I was like, yo, we have to re-record the second game because this is like 10 episodes of this. And that's just, I don't have that much time. Even, even though I don't, I'm not doing anything. I don't have that much time. And so we're not together anymore. So we are, we are back apart. Um, you know, I'm back in DC. He's in Ohio. We're not really going to see each other again. So this is when we have to come up with a emulated, way to do all of this this is where technical structures start getting to put in place on how we can actually manage all of this with the technical setup that we have knowing that we can't go out and really buy anything dude that is so then wild. i can't conceive yeah. so like how, how it gets worse so then playthrough two starts and playthrough two is going just fine going great. We get through we get through the first and second palaces which was like uh the first and second episodes and then my I, um, the computer, the Mac that I had, I upgraded the operating system. Oh, right. And when, and so the way that a Mac works is that a Mac doesn't have an internal microphone for recording, like what's happening, uh, on the screen. Right. Um, on like a windows machine, which does just natively, which means you have to use like a driver or it's not a big deal. But the problem is, is that, so I upgraded, I, I did a day zero upgrade and the app that I use no longer worked. But I didn't know that. Uh, and we recorded an entire episode and I clicked everything like what's supposed to happen. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're good. I can see the yada, yada, yada. Every two minutes in the gameplay audio, you would just hear, you have not paid for this license. You have not paid for this license. Oh, oh no. <laughs> just every two minutes, like clockwork. Yep, yep. Uh, and i'm just like devastated (laughs) i I was like all right this is i'm just gonna sit down edit this episode grab the big old glass of whiskey and i'm ready to go oh my gosh yikes dude i mean i mean seriously how much how much time would you say that you actually spent just dropping (laughs) external audio and trying to line it up with what was happening Oh, those for those episodes in the first game that I was doing. I mean, dude, I don't even. What is time? You know, like, it's just a social construct, <laughs> man. Twenty twenty. So this is all right. This is like April. Oh, this is like March, April of twenty twenty. So this yeah. is like perfect. Like, and I was like at that time the only real like day to day thing that I had. I think like a week and a half out of every month, I would help my grandfather with an estate sale, and I was like cleaning and making music. But like, I didn't. I didn't have much going on. So like, you know, you'd think that I had all the time in the world. And I think that's why I wasn't just like, nope, we're re-recording this. I just, I'm just stubborn. I saw the challenge. Tell me, like Patrick didn't tell me about the, about the error until we got into Zelda two. And he's like, Hey, this isn't going to work out. Here's why. And I'm just like, we could have replayed it any moment. <laughs> Dude, you could have replayed all of Zelda one in the amount of time it took you to do one episode. Yeah, the I know, I know, I know. The problem was <laughs> I the lang like the the technical language. So game audio versus gameplay audio. You know, like this didn't work, that didn't work. Like what's this? What's that? And we didn't have like a good 
we didn't we didn't have like those words set up and the, the language wasn't there right. yet. Mm-hmm. So when I would tell Ben what was wrong, he'd be like, oh, can't you just do a thing? And, you know, Ben also hadn't really worked with audio and troubleshooted and done workarounds and stuff. Yeah, so that's like, like me trying to tell Lyndon how to do audio editing and I've never laid eyes on audio editing software in my whole life. Yeah, that wouldn't right. work. How can you even? How can you yeah, even? I have no concept. So right, right. we got everything. I mean, thankfully, Ben has the patience to sit down and troubleshoot. And whereas I will stubbornly just trudge through a problem in a terrible manner, Ben will sit down and fix the thing and make my life and his life easier in the future. I don't look out for future Patrick very much. I'm, I'm <laughs> future Patrick does not like past. You should you should be much. nicer to future Patrick. I should. I really should. Yeah. Well, that's why we now have like this whole setup where you know we have this whole OBS studio that pulls everything together, puts it all out in one thing. I mean, today, and it, I mean this is the first time it all worked perfectly. But today, I we have one single recording that is the video of all of us, the game, Patrick and I. It has all of our, it has the gameplay audio, Patrick's audio and my audio in track one. Mm-hmm. And then track two is gameplay. Track mm-hmm. three is me and track four is Patrick. It's one file. I can use it for my video. Pat can use it for the podcast. And like, we're just done. And I can hear the game music, which I haven't been able to hear the game music for a lot of our series recording. So like anytime you hear me humming along to the music, I can hear it. If I'm not doing that, I probably can't hear the game music. And if I do, it's faintly coming in through Ben's microphone. And I got to say, like, much like the adventure of Link, learning the hard way how to make a podcast, um, especially this podcast particular kind of podcast where you need the game audio as well as the both voices and you're recording remotely we it, it was grueling but but we figured it out and now we're really good at it just yeah, like we're really good at it <laughs> after just like after hopefully you know you get through the first few palaces you get a grasp on the game i think that the learning curve on this game is really rough like i agree with you matt it's it's not great it's 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 not sensible um, I know, Lyndon, you, you feel a little differently. But at the end of the day, by the time you get to that fourth palace, you know how to play the game. And, you know, to extend the metaphor, bring it back one more time. I feel like Ben and I know how to play the game because we had such a difficult uh, time getting into the season. But the third attempt to play this game and record it, it went very well. Ooh. It went very we so good. We were <laughs> so third time was the charm. You're good at the game. We're good at the podcast. Matt, can I tell you, I was yeah. so nervous knowing that you were going into this game <laughs> and just <laughs> feeling your frustration from The Legend of Zelda, which isn't yeah. a frustrating game. No, it, just yeah, it like, really wasn't. I'm just like, and I thought for sure that you were going to miss a magical container, specifically oh, the one in Maze Island. I was like, he is going to miss it. He is going to get to the Thunderspell. He is going to be like, why can't I get this? What did I miss? And then I was just like, I don't know what you're going to do. Like, you know, I, I was so nervous that you were going to miss a magical container and just like have a conniption. Yeah. Um, uh, but then it, I also wanted it for the content. I really wanted it for the content. Yeah. I was like, I'm just oh, gonna please say, let it happen. I was gonna say please let it happen. Yeah, I thought you were over here cheering for it. Yeah, you would have had a two-hour episode of me just raging at the game and the game design. And you're absolutely right. I cannot believe that I mi- didn't miss a magic container because mm-hmm. I would have flipped a lid. Yeah. Uh, yeah it would have well, when you good. said you did the maze perfectly and I was like, 
And I was listening to you and I was on a run and I was like, oh, did he say he got the magic container in the maze or not? And I was like, I don't know, but you know, we'll find out at the end of this game. So. <laughs> it's so it's so weird to me when I th- think back on it, because there are several places in the game that we could have hit kind of hard walls like that, where, uh, you know, we did some things out of order and wasted a ton of time or we didn't find the correct amount of things and we couldn't progress or whatever. And um and that never really happened to either of us. I think we got very lucky in that way to where like, nice. you know, even though, yes, like the game was very hard and, and very frustrating at times, that was all really down to the intended like mechanics and combat loop yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it was never it was never anything quite that catastrophic, but that definitely would have like put a huge damper in my day if that if that yeah. had happened. Um, no. So, yeah, definitely, definitely very grateful that we never ran into that particular problem. But kind of going back to what you were saying just a second ago about about like you know doing something enough and then you know the the feeling of now I'm good at this. Matt, would you say that at the end of the game you felt like you were good at it? No, not really. I I feel like I was better at it than I was at the beginning, but I still don't feel like I was good at it. I I was not to a point where I could reliably jump stab iron knuckles in the face. I was not mm. at a point where mm. I wouldn't just like miss a jump and fall into a lava pit and die i was Mm. not at a point where i didn't have to accidentally cheese dark link um like (laughs) yeah i just i I don't feel like i mean i got better nobody can kill dark link without cheesing him that's Uh, linden did what i did yeah, he did i did bro yep. oh my gosh all right if i had a hat on i'd take it off but i should probably keep my headphones on that's incredible <laughs> yeah that was nuts yeah I, I, I don't know if i just lucked into it or not but yeah i was just i hung out in the middle of the arena and just let him come to me and just did the did the trading of blows and i think wow. i i had to i had to pop heal twice um okay but uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, got it done. Um, so I mean, in in our playthrough, the the final one, you know, Patrick is playing in the Great Palace. I think he probably restarted the Great Palace like two or three times in total. Because you know, if you if you die fully and you get a game over, you actually start in the Great at the start of the Great Palace, which is actually a really nice mechanic, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And but I can remember like I'm watching him play. I mean, I so what we would do is the person not playing would have a guide pulled up just to offer like subtle nudges, but never to be like, turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right. You know, it was much more just like, I am, I'm truly stuck. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not just going to have you wander around because that's like really lame. Um, But he's coming to Thunderbird. He does not have enough magic to cast Thunder and he only has one life. And I just know he's going to get in there and he's going to die. And he's going to start the whole Great Palace over. And I'm just sitting there just watching, just like, all right, well, here he goes and he gets in there and he dies and... (laughs) Was it everything you hoped it would be and more? I mean, it was pretty great. I mean, it was the only social media clip I ever made was of Patrick beating Thunderbird. But then but then walking into the dark link room, no lives left, no magic left, no health left, and just dying. Just instantaneously dying. Unfortunately. Yeah, but fortunately, Thunderbird stays dead, which he did not know. So he got to Thunderbird, I think, with like a whole life left. 
ready to use. Ready. Like, okay, I, I'll die. I'll do this, and then I'll die against Dark Link, and then I'll have full health. And he just was able to. He's like, oh, I can just go right to Dark Link, and, and then oh. he died against Dark Link once, and then and then beat him. But yeah, it was just what like it was just so funny just to like know no, that was happening. I like, died against yeah. Dark Link once, and then looked up how to cheese it. That's what happened. I was gonna say when you when you got back to the boss chamber and Thunderbird was was not there, did you just like um, was that was that just fifty pounds off your shoulders right there? You know, it was like do you remember back in the day when oh no, you're from Texas. You ever had a snow day? Yeah, for sure. Okay. It was like it was like a snow day, but if I were working a job as an adult that I absolutely hate and it didn't count as PTO, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like that was the feeling. Like a, like, yeah. And actually since, you know, since leaving school and, and, you know, being employed and whatnot, uh, that has happened once or twice because we, we don't get a ton of snow in Texas, but when we do get snow, um, it, it shuts everything down and like, the world stops for a few days. Right. Um, and so, yeah, those are always like, you know, I, yeah, I hate, don't want anyone to get hurt, you know, want everyone to be safe, but also I love that this is a sufficient catastrophe to like, get me out of work without burning my days off, you know, like that's always a good feeling. Yeah. I get you. It was relieving. (laughs) What a game. Oh my gosh. I just can't, you know, like looking back on it and being done with it now, the thing that I keep coming back to is that, I think I more so than Matt, especially having had a few weeks to really think about it now. I I feel like there is a there is a core to this game that is real solid. Like mm-hmm. I feel like there's a there's a there's a there's a true thread that runs through everything that this game is and in like within within that is a very good set of ideas and something that could actually be iterated upon in a modern way definitely they could do a remake of this they just have to make the fighting a little better and that's it like they bump the graphics make the hand-to-hand combat fun and you got yourself a really dope game i think that the story's good yeah the music i mean i think they'd need to do a little more variations on the on the music, but I think it's there. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just, I need to spend a little bit more time trying to like to, to parse exactly what I think the takeaway should be and, and what things I would sort of leave behind. But um, yeah, I think the, the story of this whole experience for me is just been that I, 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 I feel very complicated. Um, I have a very complicated set of feelings about kind of mm-hmm. where, where I ended up with this game. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's why it was so fun to talk about. And that's why it was so fun yeah. to, to dig into. And, Definitely. you know, I'm, and it sounds like that pretty much is exactly where y'all are at as well. Definitely. Yeah. Ben came away really liking this game and I came away with one of our best running gags in our <laughs> podcast, uh, being the curmudgeon about the game. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's good to have something that you can think critically about and it, it opens up discussion more so than just a yes, that game was incredible, I think. So I have a question. If y'all could if y'all could have a a remake of either The Legend of Zelda or Zelda 2 and it's in the style of like not necessarily the visual style, but it's in the same kind of uh you know, um, intention, I guess, as the Link's Awakening 
remake mm-hmm. where where it's the same core game, massively improved visuals and refinements to some of the things that haven't aged as well. So in Link's Awakening, that was the the two button item slot assignment yeah. system right uh, and you know, like one or two other things but in you know i gotta believe that like in zelda one it would be a similar kind of tweaking to your inventory management right. and uh you know and i'm sure the combat would feel better right um because that would get an, an overhaul as well and in zelda 2 i think it would again i think there would be some tuning to the combat um and then you know graphical upgrades and some changes to the way that you know health and lives and stuff work and how how game overs function so if you could have either of those like tasteful yet uh um substantial remakes of either the legend of zelda or the adventure of link we're gonna to go to uh, we're gonna to go to Ben first, then Pat, then Matt, and then me. Which one of those would you prefer to have? So I think that the Legend of Zelda is essentially a perfect game. So I'll give it to uh, Link's Adventure. <laughs> I'm gonna give it to the Adventure of Link too because I feel like a Link to the Past is basically just a improved version of what they were working with 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 the legend of zelda i would also go with adventure of link because i came away honestly being willing to replay um legend of zelda um the more that i think back on my time with it the more i kind of think about how you've linden have described your time with like hyper light drifter or something where it's just like a I think if I were to play it at my own pace instead of like trying to put out content for it and just kind of like mosey my way through it, I probably would have been a little less frustrated. So, um, yeah, I would definitely give it to Adventure of Link because I think it has a lot more room to improve with, um, I think, some fairly easy uh, quality of life changes that could make it just a vastly better game. Yeah, and that that's really where I'm at with it as well. I think that uh you know, I, I think that there's more room with Adventure of Link to um to kind of raise the score, I guess, on it. Uh if I if I'm rating these things on a scale of one to ten, right? Uh I think that there's a there's a world in which a remake of The Legend of Zelda would bring it from like a I don't know, an eight to a nine for me, maybe. Like get a get a one point jump, you know? Um, but, uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, but I, I think that with Zelda two, it would be much more dramatic than that. I think that a, a good tasteful remake of Zelda two could really bring it from probably is a six or something is what I would give it at the moment and would have the potential to bring it up to like an eight ish. Yeah. And, and I almost think that I could think of just you could probably do two very minor tweaks to get most people to enjoy the game thoroughly. That would probably revolve around working on the difficulty spike around Death Mountain and making um, making combat hitboxes a bit uh, a bit clearer when you're engaging with an enemy. Mm-hmm. And I bet those two bits of polish 
which is why I like the idea of not like we're not going to like redo the entire thing. We're just going to make these very, very, very tiny tweaks to the structure of the game. You know, I think that it'd be good if they added a uh, guardian acorns with multiple dialogue boxes that you have to read every time you pick one up. And don't don't forget the don't forget the soundtrack that that sticks oh. around for like a minute <laughs> and a half. Exit in a dungeon because you just want to hear it anymore. Matt, I know you, you know, I, I obviously heard you, you know, in multiple episodes, like Professor Love for Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. Um, have you played other 2D Metroid games? Uh, actually, no, I have not. Metroid Dread is the only Metroid game I've ever played to completion. You know which one you it need to be, play that? It would uh, be really interesting to hear you, you know, like hear your thoughts on playing through Super Metroid without like just get into it you know no maps no guides online and just kind of see i mean because the original metroid is very uh difficult <laughs> yeah but yeah. you know super metroid is essentially a perfect game and i'd, I'd wonder what yeah. your feedback would be kind of seeing a game 30 years younger and kind of seeing how it like compares to your how much you enjoyed in metroid dread uh so. speaking speaking for myself and and you're right i would love i would love for matt to to have that experience i've played and beaten super metroid twice um okay. And I, I think for me, I, I agree with you. I think that for people who really enjoy that style of game, I think that Super Metroid is as much of an achievement as A Link to the Past is for the Zelda yeah. series. It's, it's just yeah. – I mean, man, when you, think, when you think about the first-party lineup on the SNES oh and, you, and you get like – you've got Super Mario World, Super Metroid, and A Link to the Past. And that's your like three big <laughs> – like holy what? shit. What? Like, you got donk, yeah. like yeah, dear God in heaven. Yeah. I, I think I would, I would love to run the uh, Link to the Past Super Metroid randomizer. Um, are you all familiar oh, with that? No. no. Okay, so a randomizer is where the uh, where every item is essentially shuffled in the entire game, um, but there are rules in place that make sure that like there there's still a logical way for you to get those items. So that way, you can progress in some manner through the game. So a link to the past Super Metroid randomizer. Uh, there are four locations on each map. And it sends you back and forth between the two games. And there are Link to the Past items in the Link to the Past game and in the Super Metroid game. And there are Super Metroid items in the Super Metroid game and in the Link to the Past game. And so you're perpetually moving back and forth between two different games, two different gaming styles, picking up items to try and get to a point where you can beat both. I think you just have to beat one of the games to uh, to win, technically. Dang, that sounds incredibly complicated. <laughs> yeah, you really got to know the games because you got to know like, all right, there's this missile container in this spot because that might have the gravity boots that you need or it might have the, right. you know, it might have the hook shot, you know, is in this one spot. Well, yeah, especially um, Super Metroid, which is like, I mean, basically the end game of that game is just finding all the hidden like missile upgrades and whatnot, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah um, yeah, Super Metroid is a weird one for me because I I really love that game and I I do appreciate it for what it is, but I have a very very difficult time especially now having played Metroid Dread, which I also freaking love. Um I have a difficult time with Super Metroid now given that the canon does not have a 360 degree range of motion like that's my that's my biggest thing that's like that makes it hard for me to go play those games, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you're either pointing straight up diagonal upright 
you know, right, straight, right. straight left, right, or diagonal down, left, right. And so like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hop. you can't just aim at what you want. You got to do a little jump. And yeah, you got to you got to hop around a little bit. Yeah, it's a much yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, it's a much different. You got to time out your jump and stuff. But yeah. still, it's still, a, still a fantastic game. Still a great game. Yeah. Certainly. And Certainly. and yeah, I do think, it, you know, I, but honestly, it makes me wonder, like, uh, we've talked so much about the possibility of ever getting a remake for Zelda 2. And I think I think it's a pipe dream, honestly. Um, yeah, I would deserve I, that. It's yeah. it's it's not going to happen. And I wonder if the reason for that is in addition to the fact that, I mean, I'm sure there's many reasons for that, but I wonder if one of the biggest reasons for that is that Nintendo would not want to cross wires with what they're doing with the Metroid series, you know? Oh yeah. It's not a bit, I mean, they're already doing this incredible platforming exploration stuff with Metroid. Why would you remake the, the least favorite? Is this the least favorite Zelda game? Yes. Right? I, I think, I think most yeah, people would say yes. I, I mean, the Capcom ones aren't as popular, but they're not. They're still beloved. Yeah. Yep. This is like the this is the black sheep. This is the black sheep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I think Matt, that there's there's play, oh, yeah. I think it. there's room for some other of the newer games to kind of fall below this. Like I, I, there's some people on our discord specifically that have said like Phantom Hourglass or you know Spirit Tracks can sometimes, you know, fall below yeah. like less good but as far as like historically disliked zelda games well, it's i think like this probably new takes historically the, right yeah because like at the time people loved it yeah it was commercially hugely passed, successful right correct yeah yeah, yeah. Ah, interesting Based yeah i mean i think for a season yeah for a sequel it just it did phenomenally like i was just looking at it and it did it did like 75 percent of what the original legend of zelda did which anybody making a sequel then at that point would definitely take those numbers. Like that's on the same yeah. game engine. That's phenomenal. It's incredible. Um, yeah. Wow. You know that a, a super Nintendo was like 200 bucks when it came out. That's like $400 now. I was about to say that's crazy expensive for the eighties. Crazy expensive. Like that is insanely is expensive. $50. What did a, what did a game cost? It was, it was uh, a 60 to 60 to 80 then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, games have always yeah. cost sixty to eighty dollars. Always, yeah, Nintendo games have Whoa. pretty much always been sixty to eighty. Which I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, when you start thinking about it that way, you're like, okay, this game took a while to play through, and you had to make your own maps, and it's like, yeah, that's because they cost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that yeah, is yeah. that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there weren't like you know ten dollar nindies that you could buy to like just like beef up your like game repertoire. Right. You know, like I just bought Hyperlight Drifter for nineteen dollars, and it was just like, oh, that's incredible that I yeah. can buy that, right? And if so. you and if you got stuck, you had to have a Nintendo Power subscription to call the Nintendo Power Hotline. Yep. Dude, have you ever played Hyperlight Drifter before? I'm playing it right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm like two hours into it. Oh my, yes. oh um, my god! I asked. We, I'm in a switch group with a bunch of Patrick's friends, and I was mm-hmm. looking for something to kind of like scratch an itch. And I, they gave me a bunch of recommendations, and they're like, "Hyperlight Drifter, like you should check that out." And they know that I like, you know, you know, severely difficult games that you know really um, reward you for learning very minute enemy details and tells and those kind of things. And so far, it's like exactly that. I'm like, yes, this is like exactly what I want. I want action combat where if I I can. By the time that I have mastered a room, I won't take a single hit. 
Like that's what I that's what I go for in a lot of my gaming. One thing that uh, Zelda One and Zelda Two really did for me coming out of them is it put me in a ferocious mood to go play some Zelda likes that are in the indie scene because okay. a lot of those games uh, do kind of cling to some of the older conventions of Zelda m- much more so than like the Ocarina Wind Waker sort of yeah. style, right? And so and there's a lot of games that I really love that that really bought like they they learned a lot from Zelda One and from Zelda mm-hmm. Two. Um, Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Shovel Knight, you know, getting done with yes. getting done with Zelda 2. I was like, man, I really should go give Shovel Knight another try. And, uh, and after Zelda 1, I, I was very much thinking like, ah, man, you know, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I need to go play Tunic now because that really seems like a, a good thing to kind of bridge into. And of course, I'm playing Wind Waker at the moment. But um, have you started Tunic yet? I haven't. I do. Uh, I, I do have it and I'm going to play it at some at some point. I'm, I'm going to make the time for it. I wonder if we should do a little uh, little crossover tunic special. Oh, that would be fun. I would do. That I would, would definitely fun. love to do that. We I, could like break it up into like four chapters and do it like a book club type thing with like both podcast audiences and like invite them in, you know, and and do something like that. That could be really cool. That would I'm be a lot it. of fun. Yeah, I, I would. Game this is, and I, and I um I haven't started a new game in a while. I'd, I'd definitely be down for that. I think there, uh, Matt and I have always considered Zelda likes to be, um, a place that we would eventually want to, to go in terms of our content, you know? Um, and I think that that just sounds like a great time. So (laughs) that's another thing we'll be taking offline. We'll talk more about that. We'll see what we come up with. Yeah. (laughs) Well, do y'all, I know that we probably need to get this wrapped up. We're getting a little, little far into the evening here and it's been a great conversation so far, but I just wanted to give y'all um, a few, uh, a few more minutes real quick. If you had anything else you wanted to say kind of in, in closing about your thoughts about Zelda two and, and the eight bit games in general. Yeah, I, I can start. I think, I think when you were born is going to make a huge difference on your enjoyment. Um, you know, even between the two of us, like there are, I think, four years between the older and the younger brothers. And just like, was your first system, uh, you know, a Sega Master System and a NES or was it a Super Nintendo and a Sega Genesis? And that's really going to make a big difference on like the nostalgia feel when you get into something. And so I think putting yourself in the in the right, you know, frame of mind, which can be really difficult because people, you know, are like working shitty jobs and, you know, not getting paid a lot. And it's like you really want to come home and like struggle through something. The one nice thing that is great about these older games is they don't have any load time and they never have to do a software update. So you can always play them mm-hmm. as soon as you want to play them. So that's my pitch for playing older games. <laughs> no, get, no getting around that. Instant gratification. <laughs> the day one patch does not exist. It does not. For better or for worse. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we're giving advice here, I would just say play some other Zelda games first and approach this as the black sheep of the series, knowing the struggles that you're going to have play the SP version on the switch. If you got an online subscription, have some fun with it and know that it's going to be tough. Treat it like a mega man game. You know, it's not, I got, I got one slot in my family plan. If somebody needs it, just let me know. Did we just (laughs) give that to my buddy or is that, do you have two slots? No, I got like three slots. So it's all good. Oh, okay. Ben's Ben's giving out a slot. Watch out. Yeah, it's a cool (laughs) game. I'm softening up on it in retrospect. And maybe it's just that time heals all things, including memories that should last. Because I might pick this game up and hate it. You know, who knows? Only Mm -hmm. time will tell. But but it is growing on me. And I I do – I 
will go back and listen to a bunch of your season. I like that it's grown on you guys and that you came away from it seeing its merits because uh, it does have a lot of them. I, I, and I like the positivity and the, the ability to look at a game critically. You know, we don't get yeah. to think, you don't get to criticize many Zelda games. So if, if not anything else, it's good because it's a Zelda game we get to criticize. Well, you're rolling <laughs> into the next most easiest game to criticize, I think, in Wind Waker. So enjoy traveling the seas, gentlemen. Enjoy Ooh, traveling the seas. Man, oh, wow. I, as, as someone who's played Wind Waker three or four times, I... I don't know that I can co-sign that message yeah, off the top of my head. Are you playing without the fast sale? Or are you playing with the fast sale? I'm playing with the fast sale. Oh, there we go. Okay. Well, some of us didn't have the fast sale when we were grumpy about it still. Yeah. I have a friend Look, who played through Wind Waker without any warps uh, during quarantine and enjoyed the open seas because he had nothing but time. Mm, uh, see that would make a big difference yeah I almost played it on the GameCube because I happened to have a GameCube and that like Zelda anniversary collector's edition that has oh, yeah, Wind Waker cool. on it and Lyndon was like no you cannot play this on GameCube for your first time we're getting you a Wii U and you have to play it on Wii U and I was like why he's like because you're going to hate the slow sailing and the gathering the Triforce quest on GameCube is awful so yeah we're not doing that mm. I was like well fair enough fair I've enough never, fair enough I've, I've, oh I have played it on both systems i liked it on both yep. systems i also had plenty of time sitting around in my basement uh when i was sick like one winter or something so mm. again yeah, i've never beaten it so oh well we will in a few seasons we will in a few seasons you're gonna love it it's pretty great yeah yep, pretty yep. of course matt and i are super excited to get into our discussion about that game i have already played my chunk for this week and uh matt finally managed to track down a copy of the game for less than a hundred dollars which turns out that's a difficult thing to do. <laughs> yeah so. apparently those are few and far between unless oh. you go to like uh, yeah i, I had to get it, you patrons yep <laughs> I, well i had to get it used from gamestop which they have it for about 37 which was still about oh. twice as much as i thought i was gonna have to pay for it so all right that's not too bad but yeah. the amazon listings were like there were two and they were both like a hundred to 150 dollars mm. like holy mm. crap this is the this is the future Nintendo wants. This is what it looks like when there's no Wind Waker on the Switch. It's, yep, yep. it's a bleak, bleak world. But anyway, we're all set up now. We're ready to go. Uh, we're going to have it played, and it's going to be a good time. Um, and, of course, you know, can't wait to share our thoughts with it about you gentlemen uh, in a bit more detail further down the road when we circle back up and have a conversation about it. Uh, but until then, Ben and Pat, it has been just an incredible time having y'all on. It's always such a great conversation. We always appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, thanks so much y'all. Your perspective is just is is wonderful, and and this is always a good time. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, why don't you all go ahead and drop them links, drop them uh, social handles, um, you know, for for as long as we still have Twitter, maybe let people know sure, where sure. on there they can find you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we're currently uh, doing season four of the Hyrule Podcasters. We are playing Link's Awakening DX for the Game Boy Color. We invite anyone to come play along with us uh, as we go um, dungeon by dungeon. And uh, Pat, where can people find us on the interwebs? So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hyrule Podcasters and on Twitter at Hyrule Podcaster. If you want to support us directly, head over to our Patreon page. And you can pop into our Discord as well under the same name, Hyrule Podcasters, if you just want to chat with your boys. We're there. We're ready for you. There you go. 
Definitely go give those guys a follow. They're making some great stuff, and uh, we've received a sneak peek at some of the stuff they have coming up, and it is it is even yet uh, more great yeah. than the stuff that they've made in the past. So uh, absolutely. nothing but good things coming up. Nothing but good things coming up. All right, Matt. I think uh, I think that'll about do it. What do you think? I think I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Are you ready to call season six of Sacred Realms Pod a done thing? Uh, season six. Here we are at the end. We we made it all the way. I, I just out of curiosity, after we mentioned how many episodes that we've recorded earlier in the show, I went back and looked, and uh, this uh, will be our 85th episode. Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Congratulations! Yep. A lot of content. A lot of content. Thank you. Thank you. We're getting we're getting close to that uh, hundo mark. We're getting Magical close number. to that that hundo, mm-hmm. and actually, I'm curious now if we're gonna hit that in. I think we'll hit it in Wind Waker. In Wind Waker, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Or imagine if episode one of Tears, Tears of the Kingdom was <laughs> Tears, Tears. <laughs> so we we know that it won't be because we have vowed okay. to not do the season for Tears of the Kingdom until we've had a chance to play it through without having to do content about it. Like we smart. want to, ex- we uh, want to experience smart. Smart. it sans content uh, mm, pressure. So I guess we'll it. beat you to it then. Yeah, we're trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> we will not hit episode 100 in Wind Waker. It's only going to be nine episodes. So, oh, yep, okay. we, we've got it all planned out. So, yeah, season nice er, episode episode 100 is going to be uh, in whatever uh, whatever top down game we play after Wind Waker, which Fun. will be either Minish Cap or the Oracle games combined, or Link Between Worlds. Link Between Worlds. Ooh, that's those. a good one. I like yeah. Link the Tunic Worlds. or the Tunic Game Club. Or the Tunic Game Club. Could be the Tunic Game Club. Could be the Tunic Game Club. You never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with all that being said, yes, we will be back in Season 7 of this show, which starts next week and covers another epic chapter in the Legend of Zelda series. But until that time, let's go ahead and do our outro. Get out of here for the week. If you enjoyed today's show and you'd like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod and become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it is not a problem. Five-star Apple podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy, Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod for updates on the podcast and for behind-the-scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday for the first episode of season seven with our thoughts on the game intro of legend of Zelda, the wind waker. We'd love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels. The wind waker can be played in its original form on the GameCube. It can be played on the Nintendo Wii U in its HD form. And either of those versions can be played via emulator on a steam deck or any, uh, any equivalent device, which is totally an okay way to play that if that's what you want to do, because it's not on the Switch. But in the meantime, may your hearts be full. May your arrows never miss. We will catch you next week in Season 7. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel in Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. 